Here we go. It's Wednesday Bible study on law and gospel on this April the 19th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And now that the Easter season is kind of over with special services we've had on Palm Sunday and a church dinner and wonderful Easter, we're back into studying the book of Proverbs on Sunday. And that's what we like to look at on Wednesday, what we talked about on Sunday. Today, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 19, beginning with verse 21. And, you know, there are so many good insights that Solomon has been given by the gift of the Holy Spirit to talk about in the book of Proverbs. But there's one passage that we're going to be looking at today that I think is really important. It can easily be misunderstood. And so let's kind of begin with Proverbs 19, verse 21, and we'll get to it in a few minutes. But verse 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, remember what Proverbs is. It's really God speaking to us. And yes, there's no doubt that God accuses us of sinning. And that's why we really look forward to hearing the good news of the Savior. But there's a third use of the law that Proverbs is really well known for. It's called the third use of the law. And it's not the law given to the government to withhold wickedness. It's not the law given to the church to help people see that they're, in, that they're sinners in need of a savior, much like the wonderful ministry of John the baptizer, a baptism of repentance. But this third use of the law is simply information how God thinks about how we are to act. So if you take a look at that, verse 21 really makes sense. God is saying that there are many plans in the mind of a man. And this would be just a normal human being who may not be a Christian, does not believe in the true God, but he still has many plans in his mind. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, another way of translating that, it is really the counsel of the Lord that will prevail. And the word Lord in the English has all capital letters, L-O-R-D, which means that that's the name that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai at the burning bush. It's really Yahweh, but in the English, we'll capitalize the word Lord. So this is God himself that is telling you that it is his counsel that will prevail. In other words, what is verse 21 saying to us. Yes, you have many plans 
in your mind, but you are to seek God's business and God's wisdom in your life. Uh, For example, recently, two men were arguing over a business transaction. And another person came in and said, well, in order to solve your problem, you need to look at the Bible. And one of the men said, oh, the Bible has nothing to do with business. Well, that's really sad to hear that. It's quite true that in probably 90% of your business decisions, it doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. For example, you're selling a product and you have to decide what costs are you gonna sell it for? Now, at one time I did own a store and I had received a lot of material from our listeners, clothing and dishes and pictures and all kinds of things. I had the store open on Saturdays and you could come in and buy a whole bag of clothes for about $3. I mean, everything was very inexpensive. It got to the point that it was so inexpensive that the money I made was unable to pay for the rental of the shop that I had, so I had to drop that. But the fact is, is that deciding on what price something would go for was not something that I could find a Bible verse. It was just what I thought would be fair to the people and especially help those who were in need of these items. They were all used items, so very rarely was there something brand new, although that did occur. People would send me brand new items. So this is a very important verse 21. You got a lot of plans in your mind, but when you go to the counsel of the Lord, that will prevail. How many movies do you see where the people who are running the business are doing it in such a way that they're really cheating or lying. For example, even in the Old Testament, remember, they would change the weigh scales so that if a farmer brought in something that was, let's say, 30 pounds in weight, the scale would only register 28 pounds. And and so the merchant that was buying the items from the farmer was making more money illegally. He was not seeking God's wisdom in being fair and legal. So when you plan on doing something, think of the purpose of the Lord that will prevail. Verse 22, what is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. Now, this is, again, God speaking. He realizes that the greatest desire a man has is steadfast love or mercy from Almighty God. You see, there are a lot of people who may leave a denominational church. Maybe they're fed up with the kind of preaching they're hearing, or they disagree with the morality of the Bible, or they just want Sunday off or something. 
but they still have a desire for steadfast mercy from God, whether or not they realize it or not. Remember, every person has a God, even an atheist. Whatever that person trusts is his God. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Atheists don't trust gods, do they? Well, a lot of atheists, they are immersed in money. And so they trust that they will have a good life in the future because of the money. Forgetting about that parable Jesus gave about the man who had so many crops coming in, he had to build even more barns to hold these crops. And he said, I'm going to be doing that so that when I finally retire, I'll eat, drink, and be merry. And then in the story Jesus is telling, the man dies just before retirement. And all of it goes to someone else who didn't earn it. So what God is saying is the people in Jesus' day uh, the leaders of Judaism, if you were a poor man or if you were an ill man, then that was kind of a curse from God. And, and therefore, if you were blind or lame or mute or deaf, then that was some kind of a punishment. Remember in John 9, the disciples, they meet this man born blind. Immediately they ask, who sinned, him or his parents? They, they just felt, as Judaism was teaching, that those who were rich, like the Pharisees, they're really in God's wisdom, in God's favor. But God says the opposite. He says, a poor man, in his view, is better than a liar. I served a congregation of 28 years, and we were in an area of the city where a number of them were getting their money from the government because they were so poor. And yet they were wonderful people who attended church, brought their children to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. That may have been that they were poor, but in God's mind, they were a lot better than those who were liars. Liars would refer also to false teachers. And now we get to the verse that I think is really important. It's verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Boy, does that make any sense? The fear of the Lord leads to life. Now, when people read that, they say, am I supposed to be afraid of God? Remember in Luther's small catechism, commandment one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. How does Luther explain that? We should fear love, and trust in God above all things. So how does the fear of the Lord 
lead to life? Is it being afraid of the Lord? No. What I, what I consider fear of the Lord to be referring to, and this is why I like using contemporary analogies, do you not fear those who are looking at your income tax, those officers who go through your items that you send in to pay your income tax? Are you not sometimes in fear that they may find something and charge you a lot more, especially in penalties? You're not afraid of an income tax person, but you have that fear so that when you do your income tax, you make sure it's as correct as possible. Now, it's so convoluted these days that I have an individual who does my income tax because of various items that I receive. And I can be confident then that when he sends it in, then a lot of times, even if there's something wrong and he is shown to be the one who did it, I don't get a penalty. But that's the fear of the Lord. I, I teach this to youth confirmands. I'll start off by asking them, are you afraid of your parents? And rarely does a child say, yes, I'm afraid of my parents. No, they almost always say, no, we love them and they love us. I love to be around my parents. They, they feed me, they clothe me, they take me to school, they take me to movies. We go to Disneyland. No, I love my parents. I don't fear them. Then I'll ask, are you ever in fear of your parents that they may discipline or punish you when you do something wrong? Oh, well, that's, that's different. Yes. I mean, I'll tell you, as many times as I did things that were not according to my parents, and they would say, why did you do that? I would often blame one of my two brothers and say, well, he made me do it, or he's really the one responsible. I would try to shift the blame all the time. Now, as you get older, learn that shifting the blame doesn't work. But the reason that you're shifting blame from yourself to someone else is because you have a fear of your parents. It doesn't mean that you're afraid of them, but you realize that it's important that you have that fear. Recently, we talked about a Baptist pastor. Now, he says he's Baptist, but I don't even think he's Christian because he wrote an article saying that when he dies and if heaven does not contain his unbelieving Jewish cousins, then he doesn't want to go to heaven. See, that, that's a false teacher. And we know he's a false teacher because he has no fear of the Lord. He doesn't care if he goes to heaven or hell. And if he gets his wish, it'll be too late. Yes, there is a proper fear of the Lord where we know we can be disciplined, 
when we do wrong. And when we have that proper fear of the Lord, and the word Lord again is in capitalized, so it's dealing with Yahweh, it leads to life. And when we're talking about life, we're not just talking about living here on earth. We're talking about the life that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Adam and Eve sinned in the sense they died, they separated themselves from God. They were like the living dead. But God brought them back into his kingdom with the promises as Genesis 3.15 that a savior would come through the seed of Eve. And she believed that to be Cain when he was born of her. But he was the first murderer, not the Messiah. The Messiah didn't come about until the Virgin Mary, centuries later. So God keeps his promises, but in his time. Verse 24, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, what's God talking about there? Well, if you take a look at the word sluggard in the original language, the Hebrew, it really means a lazy person. And God's trying to give an example of lazy people. They are people who, when they're eating, may put their hand in the dish to get maybe a piece of meat or a vegetable but they will not bring it back to his mouth. In other words, what God is saying, these are people who start a project, but they never finish it. It goes back to verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but only in the counsel of the Lord will something prevail. And so a lazy person, they try and get their money in ways that are unethical. And God is saying, it's like burying your hand in the dish and not even bringing it to your mouth. So when you start a project, make a commitment that you will attempt to finish it. A large majority of new businesses fail within one year because people aren't aware of all the complexities in doing a business. Verse 26, strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. That is really an insightful verse if you understand it properly. In other words, a scoffer in the book of Proverbs is an unbeliever and he does something wrong. He's considered to be simple or gullible. And if you strike him, if you punish him by hitting him, he will learn prudence. In other words, He'll make sure he doesn't do anything wrong that you can find out about. He'll still do things wrong, but he'll hide them.
because he's learned. So I'm going to be struck. I'm going to be beaten. So God instead says in the second part of verse 25, reprove a man with understanding and he will gain knowledge. In other words, when a child disobeys, discipline the child. But the word discipline in Proverbs means also to teach him the way of God. Why we as human beings who are also believers should not act in certain ways. This is really important. I was watching a baseball movie and a son was really looked upon by his father as being a great hitter. And in a baseball game, he struck out three times. And his father yelled at him. And he said, how could you be so dumb to strike out? In contrast, the coach realized the man was striking out because he wasn't really able to hit a curveball thrown by the pitcher. So his coach took him aside and taught him how to hit a curveball with understanding. And so what this verse is saying is, yes, you can use violence, but it's far better to reprove a man also with the wisdom of God so that he will gain God's knowledge and punishment will not be necessary. Verse 26, he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. I recently saw a YouTube FBI file. I kind of like watching them because it really gives you an understanding of how unbelievers work. And a husband and wife and their one son ended up being killed. And the police discovered that it was the other son who killed them. Now, why did he do that? Well, he was not that good looking a person. And he had a relationship with a gay person and he wanted that gay person not to leave him. So he killed his parents and his brother in order to get the inheritance so that he could have surgery and make himself look good so that his gay friend would come back to him. There's an example of someone who does violence. In the Old Testament, if you killed your parents, you yourself were put to death. Verse 27, cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Now that's God giving a warning to all of us. We as believers are his children, sons of God. And if we don't listen to the discipline or the instruction from God. If we don't fear God, we will stray from the words of knowledge. A great insight. 28, 
a worthless witness mocks at justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. In other words, a malicious witness makes fun. In fact, this is really a good verse against the Eighth Commandment. Uh, the Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which, which means telling bad things that are true about your neighbor to others to make yourself look good. And that's the mouth of the wicked who swallows iniquity. The final verse 29, condemnation is ready for scoffers and beating for the backs of fools. Now, we, we just read a verse that you should discipline with the words of knowledge rather than with punishment. But verse 29 says, no punishment is prepared by God for scoffers, for unbelievers. If you do a sin, you will be punished for it by God. You may not recognize that punishment here on earth, but it could also refer to an eternal punishment in hell. But by and large, pastors will tell you that a lot of families get really broken up when, for example, say a husband or wife cheats on the spouse. It just destroys a family unit. And that condemnation God has prepared. So some really good insights from God in Proverbs 19. The best being, the fear of the Lord leads to life because we listen to the wisdom of God and in the life of sanctification, attempt to follow it and we have a much better life. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.